We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to DDT Divas, the podcast. DDT Divas, the podcast gives you the who, what, when, where, how, and why in black pro wrestling. Whether it's talking with the hottest black wrestlers in the industry or chatting with black content creators and black super fans, DDT Divas got you. I'm your host, Sade. In this episode, we're going to do something a little different. Usually, I invite a guest on the show and we talk about the guest's wrestling journey or journey into wrestling but on this episode the guest star and i are just going to talk about wrestling wrestling in its current state we are going to talk about modern day wrestling so before he and i get to talking about wrestling it's time for the usual housekeeping announcements most importantly 2020 is almost here so ddt divas has great things planned with some great people you are not going to want to miss anything. That's why you need to subscribe to ddtdivas.com, follow DDT Divas on Twitter and Instagram, join the DDT Divas Discord, and like the DDT Divas page on Facebook. Also, subscribe to DDT Divas on YouTube. And if you love DDT Divas the podcast, be sure to check out all of the previous episodes on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Cast. Radio Public, and Spotify. Okay, now let's talk about wrestling. One of the coolest things about this episode, guests, is that we both wanted to look at wrestling from uh, our perspectives. Uh, My perspective as a black woman and his perspective as a black man. We are not going to hold back. Um, We're just going to talk about wrestling. So without wasting any more time, let me introduce my guest for this episode. So this episode's guest, he is a wrestling writer who writes for Blurds Online, a longtime black wrestling fan who is also a gamer and a blurred. Everyone give a warm, warm welcome to Kwame Shakur. Welcome to DDT Divas, the podcast, Kwame Shakur. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm good. I'm happy to have you on the show today. Yeah, it feels real exciting for real. I know we've been talking on Twitter um, a lot about wrestling and uh, this episode. I want to talk about wrestling from the eyes of black wrestling fans, um, modern day wrestling. Yes, exactly. And I want to look at the African diaspora in wrestling. The way black wrestlers are reviewed, how they are treated, the way people talk about them, it's totally different. So I think it's an important conversation to have. Yeah, I'm very uh, you know excited to take part in this uh, important conversation because um, I know that you know when these you know predominantly cis white male you know podcasts talk about black wrestlers, they talk about them in ways that come off to me as condescending and disingenuous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I get what you're saying. So uh, let's just start off. I want to start off by talking about wrestling and um, you as a wrestling writer. I want to take it back to when okay. you first became a wrestling fan. When did you start watching wrestling? You know, uh, prior to wrestling, you know, I was going through, you know, uh, personal and emotional turmoil in my life. You know, I nearly drowned to death, you know, during the school field trip. Um witnessing my second auntie, you know, uh, die from a massive OD, AKA overdosing. And, you know, seeing my two um, oldest brothers being shipped out of prison, that took a lot out of me right there. That made me have thoughts of suicide and, and all that until one day the OG Power Rangers came on TV. When I saw the OG Power Rangers, that show absolutely saved my life. And, you know, 
I, I love that show so much. I watched every episode, unfortunately, until its final episode, like November 95. And then I was also in the video games. I'm a big nerd, too, by the way. I love playing video games, and I was playing um, games like, you know, Mario and Sonic and uh, Streets of Rage 2 and, you know, stuff like that back then. But then, you know, that like, when I was 12 years old, I remember on a hot July night, I was flipping through the channels and found absolutely nothing interesting until I tuned in to uh, Nitro and, uh, you know, saw this one particular match and the crowd, man, was absolutely electrifying. And man, I like the, the story, the chemistry, uh, the psychology, man, was absolutely pretty good in this match. And after I watched that match, I'm like, you know what? I, I became a wrestling fan tonight by just watching this match. So that match right there for me uh, on Nitro was my personal introduction to wrestling. Do you remember the match? Oh, it was um, Goldberg versus Hogan. Okay. Do you remember the year? I'm, I'm trying to like go back and think about it, it like... Was, it was like, uh, you know, it was like July 6, 98. Okay. Yeah, because I actually, you know, um, I actually caught the main event. I, I missed out on most of the other show, but it was just that main event that I caught it. It was really my uh, inspiration and uh, introduction to wrestling. And um, as you got older, did you stick with wrestling or have you decided like at a certain age you're going to take a break and come back to it? Or have you just been watching ever since and no breaks? Well, you know, after, you know, WWE went on the, you know, I watched WWE and, and then, you know, as I was watching WWE, there, I noticed there were things that pissed me off, like, you know, the racist angle between, um, you know, Booker and Triple H in 2003 during one of the worst periods in the history of Monday Night Raw. The infamous Ray and Terry with Triple H on Raw. And, um, and then there was, you know, other, you know, little racist angles and stuff like that, like uh, the mama boyfriend with Shelton Benjamin. Oh, my God, I hated it. Yeah, I, I remember hated, that. <laughs> I I hated it so much that I'm like, you know, and then WWE's poor handling of um, you know Eddie and Chris's uh, untimely you know untimely deaths and stuff, and I'm like, forget this. I I'm, I'm going to take a break. So I took a break from wrestling from like 2008 to like 2018 when I got back into it two years ago. So I know a lot of fans have openly stated that. They took in personal sabbaticals from wrestling. Even I did for 10 years. Until I got back in it two years ago with WrestleMania 34. See, I'm actually one of the fans that haven't taken a break. So I started watching when I was a kid with family. And I just kept on watching. And I guess maybe you could kind of say I took a break in college. Because I did kind of... When I was a kid and when I was in like high school, I would never miss an episode. Like I had to watch wrestling. Even if it was like taped, I had to watch it. But then when I got a little bit into my college, the four years of college, it was like, okay, if I miss it, it's okay. Cause it's, some of the stuff wasn't is that good, you know? Oh. So like, if I miss it, I miss it. But I, I'm one of the few fans. I know there's probably a lot of people, like people listening who maybe have never even taken a break. So I'm always wondering, you know, why people take breaks from wrestling and what brings them back in. So what actually brought you back to wrestling? But before I answer that question, the re not only did but WWE was the biggest culprit why I took a sabbatical, but also, um, you know, I felt like you know I had outgrown wrestling, and also um, I had suffered a couple of horrific family tragedies, like losing my oldest nephew to horizontal violence, and um, you know losing um, one of my old um, you know female friends that I grew up in the hood with. That all that stuff right now, you know, kept me away from wrestling uh, during that sabbatical period. But what brought me back into wrestling was like, I remember one day I was, you know, sitting alone and thinking, man, I think I missed out on wrestling after 10 years. And I'm like, I got to go back to something that I love, that I used to love for WWE, sucked that out of me. And then when I got back into wrestling, it was like the spark just ignited in me all over again. Mm, yeah. Um, do you remember, just trying to go deep into it a little bit, do you remember, like, was it a particular wrestler or a match or something like a promo that actually, like, kind of ignited the spark? 
Well, I, I remember, um, you know, uh, like I said, in 2018, I got back into wrestling. And then it was really that all-in event um, in Chicago that got me back into wrestling because I love that event. Absolutely phenomenal. So, yeah, all-in. Yeah, that was really good. Like, uh, I actually didn't see it when it first happened, but, like, I think maybe a couple months ago, like, it was during, like, this year during the pandemic, like, maybe March. I actually bought it and watched it, but I really enjoyed the show. Yeah, because, uh, man, the, the crowds, man, wrestling to me, like I said in a tweet, I said the pandemic era is the worst uh, period in the history of wrestling right now because of everything going on with um, COVID and everything. COVID has been running wild all over the place this year, especially in wrestling. So it's always, um, you know, saddening to see uh, when you hear some of these wrestlers like AJ Gray who tested positive for COVID recently and you know the main thing that I'm trying to say is all the wrestlers need to you know make sure that they take the necessary precautions to stay safe and to avoid uh, being potentially exposed to you know people who may have COVID yeah I, I, anyone who's suffering from COVID uh, wrestlers I think it's important that you know, we support them, buy their merch, you know, um, get their name out there. Because, yeah, the, this pandemic has been really hard. And I can see how it's been hard on the independent scene. It's just been rough. Yeah, it, it has been so rough. And I'm like, man, you know, any, the indie uh, wrestling scene has been the hardest by the pandemic this year alone. Because for months, they didn't do any shows. But then all of a sudden, recently, they started back doing shows. And, uh... The Black Wrestlers Matter and Fulton Culture events are my favorite wrestling events of the entire year. And the reason why, because if you look at the match cards for those two events, most of the matches are unpredictable, unlike the mainstream wrestling promotions today. Those match cards are so predictable, you already know, for the most part, who's going to win the match, <laughs> which sucks, because I love unpredictability in wrestling. Um, now I want to talk a little bit about um, you as a writer. You write for uh, Blurreds Online and you cover wrestling. How do you get started writing for Blurreds Online? Yeah, I actually um, you know, reached out to the brother a couple of years ago that you know runs the site. I said, hey, I want to um, you know write articles for your site. And he's like, you know what? Hey, why don't you um, you know send me an article and I'll see how much I like it. And then I got another email saying that he liked it and you know he published it and the rest is history. <laughs> you have some really good articles on there and I actually encourage anyone who's listening to this podcast episode to check out Kwame. He has some really good um articles on uh blurred blurs online, so definitely check out his work. Uh he's always like keeping on top of things and he's always making sure he is covering it from a black perspective because yeah. We don't have a lot of black. We actually we do have a lot of good black podcasters, writers, but yeah. they don't. They're not as mainstream as the general, typical white cis white male, you know, yeah. blogger or podcaster. Yeah. So now I want to just kind of talk about um, the state of wrestling, and I want to kind of start off with like a general kind of look. And then okay. kind of go into specifics, if that's okay with you. Well, you know, one of the things that I do like about Monday wrestling is that uh, there's more diversity and representation in wrestling. Because when we were growing up uh, watching wrestling, we didn't see that many wrestlers on TV that looked like us. And mm -hmm. that was one of the most frustrating parts for us as black wrestling fans at the time. But now, um, you know, with Monday wrestling nowadays, especially in the indies you're seeing so much representation and diversity it is a beautiful sight to see yep and and you know i think about that a lot like when i was a kid like you said we don't we didn't see that that much like i'm a, a 90s baby so i got to see like you know jazz and wwe and um miss jacqueline and but you know now there's so many talented black women in wrestling yeah, man, I love Bianca Belair, dude. I cannot get enough of Bianca Belair, Naomi, and Sasha Banks and Amber Moon. 
those women in WWE right now, those black women I just mentioned, are killing it. Yep. It's time for them to, you know, I want Sasha to get a very long reign. I want Bianca to, like, get a long title reign. Naomi to come back. Like, I I just, you know, I just want to see the black women do so much. Yeah, because, man, you know, um, man, I was so mad when, when they had Sasha drop the title on her very first defense, like, I think for the past five or six times. But then last week, she finally uh, retained, which made me happy and clapping. She broke the curse. <laughs> yeah, like I like I you know tweeted to you, she broke the curse. <laughs> Finally broke the curse. I I want her to have a six month tile run. At least hold the tile until uh WrestleMania next year. And she's just that good. So I mean I don't see why it would be a problem for them not to allow her to do so. Yeah. Man, but my ideal dream match and, and numerous other podcasts, even black you know, female podcasts that won this match. The technical Sasha versus the powwow Bianca Belair. Yes, that's what I, I want. That for WrestleMania, I want that match for man, WrestleMania. Oh man, if those if those two women may have been, of course, knowing you know uh, BKM, he's going to have Becky and Ronda as his main event <laughs> at, at next year's WrestleMania, which I will not give two craps about. By the way, that match should have happened last year, but BKM ruined it with Charlotte. Yeah, um, I guess he he wanted to give Charlotte opportunity to make history, but um, I'm I like uh, triple threats and fatal four ways, but I'm kind of like sometimes they can be okay, but then sometimes but, they can not be as good. No, but you know what? You want to know what? There's one thing that I don't like about Monday wrestling: the overexposure of six man tag matches. How many times, Sade, have we seen six? man tag team matches and specifically in the main events like we saw this past Monday night on Raw. I mean I feel like that's the easy way for wrestling companies because you see it in so many companies you know um, AEW's been doing it WWE like you see it like because it's it's an easy thing I guess to I don't know like I can't really say I'm not a booker but to me it seems like an easy uh, thing. I feel like it's a lazy way to throw all these wrestlers uh, together in a match without even having, um, you know, proper storylines or uh, character development for them. That's how I look at it. Sometimes they make sense, but sometimes it, they don't. Because I'm, from my assumption, which I'm actually going to ask you to talk about the Hurt Business in a little bit, but from my assumption with what's happening now is that the New Day and the Hurt Business got beef. So I don't know how the New Day got involved with the Randy, the Miz, Morrison, Drew McIntyre like storyline. When I saw a clip of that, I'm like, this makes no sense at all. I'm like, they they had to re- you know tour and rewritten the script like five or six times and had to approve 15 minutes before the show aired. <laughs> so um, I mentioned the Hurt Business. Now uh, now on a more specific level, let's talk about WWE's The Hurt Business. WWE's decision to form a fraction of four talented black wrestlers and this has really revived these uh, four black wrestlers careers uh, MVP, Bobby Lashley Shelton Benjamin and Cedric Alexander what are your thoughts on the Hurt Business? Oh man I really like the Hurt Business you know they remind me of uh, you know Evolution back in the day you know when they had that uh, that run in 2003 2004 um, you know during that particular period of Raw but these brothers right here are, are amazing in the ring. And especially, man, I was glad the MVP took these brothers. He's like, you know what? I need to give these brothers that are not getting the opportunity that they should a chance. And ever since then, we have seen them so we have seen them frequently on WWE television. Hey, they look good in them suits though. Yeah, they really do. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, man. It, you know, seeing you know four, you know. You know, strong brothers in suits. Man, that always puts a smile on my face. And I like that you mentioned that it reminded you more of um, evolution. I know a lot of wrestling fans, the typical wrestling response is that they compare them to the nation of domination. So, you know, and I know why they do it because they're a group of black men, you know? And that's, I see that all the time. It's kind of annoying to me that people actually do that. Yeah, it, it, it really is annoying. It, you know, I think MVP did an interview saying that we're not trying to do what the nation's domination did back in the attitude era in the late 90s. We're trying to do our thing now. 
Yep. And, and, and it's good. And I like it. And, um, which brings me like, how do you, okay. So it's been a, a topic of conversation for some, um, including some black wrestling fans that, uh, some people have pointed out that the hurt business ha- spends most of their time fighting other black wrestlers. They've taken on Apollo and Ricochet, and now they're fighting New Day and Titus. What are your thoughts on that? Hmm. It, it reaches racial insensitivity in other way. Like they, they should be pushed to the main event scene, like you uh you know told me earlier. They should be pushed to the main event scene, not you know ball down. In, in in a mid card division that's not really the best. These four brothers should definitely get man event pushes, so they're very deserving to be of a man event push. Yes, most definitely. And I, you know, I, I um, so I had been saying that like a while, like um, you know, they were fighting Ricochet and Apollo, and then they gave us this like like they were gonna go against uh, Retribution, and then they kind of like squashed it that they like brought in Bray Wyatt the Fiend and that kind of like I don't know it just killed the moment it just went down and then now they're like uh have this beef against the New Day and Titus so you know I I kind of want to see them like I want to see the Hurt Business beat up you know Jeff Hardy or AJ or you know I want to see I always say this like anyone who like follows DDTD was on social media knows that I always say like you just said they need to be in the main event scene like the raw main event scene is a lot of white guys yeah and and that that was always that's always been one of the most annoying things for me and you as black wrestling fans that have seen these, these white dudes in the main event pits, I'm like, how come there's not any wrestlers that look like me in the main event scene? Come on, man, push these four brothers in the main event scene so that way they can get the shine and recognition that they deserve. Yeah, and um, you know, speaking of the main event scene, because I know uh, WWE has a problem, like an issue with black wrestlers in the main event scene. AEW has that problem. When you look at like mainstream companies in the US, but um, Impact has done a really good job. And compared to other uh, mainstream companies in the US, I think Impact Wrestling has a decent, has done a decent job with black talent. And right now, Rich Swan is the Impact World Champion. What are your thoughts on that? Oh man, man, this dude is just absolutely amazing. I absolutely like Rich Swan, and and I also love the fact that they put they 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 trusted this black man with the championship because I think Impact's last black world champion, ironically, was Bobby Lashley in twenty fourteen. Mm. Yep. And it looks like they're go- they're going with uh, it looks like uh, Rich Swan and Moose maybe. And then there was some interaction between uh, Chris Bay, Rich Swan, so, uh, and then uh, Willie Mack, who's friends with uh, Rich Swan. So that you know, I like what they're having these black guys in like more towards the main event scene, like interact. And I like that about Impact. And Impact does a good job with um, their black wrestlers. I think they book their black wes- wrestlers well. And same thing with the women. The women's yeah. division is phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, we know the women's division AEW has a lot of work and not only that they unfortunately i think i've jokingly said this and this is true the divas there is alive and well in aew and the reason why i say that is because you and i both know most of the matches are below 10 minutes and last night's match was below 10 minutes which is absolute embarrassing yeah aew really needs to really needs to do um better with their women yeah. And and that's why I say Impact is, uh, in my opinion, Impact has the best women's division because AEW yeah. we know we can see the faults in AEW's like yeah. women's division. WWE NXT is good. Yeah, Raw but, uh, is bad because the Raw yeah. is just directionless, and they also have short matches on Raw. Yeah, uh, and even on SmackDown, but on Raw, like when you try to tune into Raw. Like the lack of enthusiasm and excitement for Raw, um, it's not as high as it was, you know, 15, 20, 25, like 15, 20 years ago. Nowadays, man, I, I go down to scroll down Twitter sometimes. I, you know, see tweets from people saying, man, this show puts them to sleep, to a deep, deep sleep, or it just bores them, or they just flip the channel or play a Nintendo Switch. 
I mean, this is why Raw needs the Hurt Business. I feel like it's a fresh, exciting, new, you know, set of wrestlers to put in this main event scene. And, you know, and then they have Keith Lee. He's there too. But, you know, they really need to start interjecting some, you know, new, fresh black wrestlers into their main event scene. Oh, man. Uh, what, what we saw happen to Keith Lee overall at the SummerSlam was, my God, atrocious. They they changed this man's ring attire. They made him shave his beard off. And they gave him that god-awful generic music. Because the Limitless theme in the NST that was done by CFO was absolute fire. Well, Keith Lee himself rapped all over the song. And I love that. Yeah, and I think it was a song that fans could actually, like, you can sing it, like, at live events. You can actually, like, sing along, rap along with Keith Lee. And I think that really enhances the fan experience. But I guess now, because of the pandemic, there's no fans. So I, and also, I've heard some things, too. But, you know, I'm not sure how true they are about, like, the music and the rights to the music and things like that. So Yeah, the problem is, you know, WWE is delivering phase now all the um, songs that CFO made because... They um, you know, refuse to pay CFO and royalties. That's just how petty. That's just how petty WWE is nowadays. Because WWE is the modern day Death Row Records. <laughs> yep. They remind me of Death Row back in the, when they were at their peak back in the nineties. With with Sean, Snoop, uh, Tupac, and Dre. Those were those were the heavy hitters of Death Row back in the day. So um, just to like go back a little bit to Impact Wrestling. Um, so you know, like I said, Impact Wrestling really does a good job with the black wrestler, their black wrestlers, and with um, women's wrestling. But why do you think so many people say that they don't look at Impact or they overlook Impact? Well, you know, for many years, you know, during the infamous uh, Rand Terror from like 2010 to 2014, I didn't watch Impact for those, you know, for many years because of that. I think it was like two years ago that I got back in the Impact. And I'm like, man, they are really putting on some pretty decently good shows. And uh, and I'm liking what I'm seeing here in Impact, you know, especially, uh, you know, with the brothers in the main event scene that you just mentioned. And man, even even back like in the mid to late 2000s, the gold days of Impact when they were uh, known as TNA, man, they had some fire matches, especially those brothers. and. Just the other day, I saw um, you know Elis Skipper from a throwback uh, 2004 clip. He climbed uh, you know on top of the cage and did a front hurricane runner off the top of the cage. I saw that clip. I actually kind of remember it because my grandfather he loved wrestling. Like he'll look at any wrestling, any company, no matter who's wrestling. So he kind of got me like I would look at uh, TNA Impact with him. So, you know, I actually kind of remember that. You remember uh, Monty Brown? Oh, yeah. The, the, the pounce that he did was nasty. <laughs> the pounce that Monty Brown did was nasty. And this dude had a special uh, type of amazing charisma on the mic. Yeah, he actually um, recently cut, like, a promo video for uh, Lance Archer. So he actually, and so that's a lot, like, that was, like, a couple weeks ago. Um, he did a video for Lance Archer before Lance, uh, John Moxley. Oh, Okay. Yeah, he, it was really cool. It was it was Monty Brown. Like he he went old school on us. Man, hey, I, I love Monty Brown from back in the day. So um, now I want to try to uh, talk about the independent scene. I know you say you love independent wrestling, um, and we kind of already touched on this, but this year has been a really good year for Black LGBTQA plus and the women's wrestling on the independent scene. Wow, it's been a good year, and we had a. Uh, PAWDWC presents a Fight Club Pro Wrestling. We had Paris is Bumping. We had For the Culture. We had um, Black Wrestlers Matter. We had Elfie's Big Gay Brunch. Like it's oh, and uh, Mission Pro Wrestling. Like it's been a really good year. Have you been keeping up with a lot of these shows? Well, hey, I, even though I I have been at least watching some of the matches, and uh, you know, as a matter of fact, I'm very um, excited for uh, the future of Black Wrestlers Matter and For the Culture. Man, when those events got announced, I knew I was going to watch it. And when I watched it, I fell in love because that was unapologetic blackness that I was seeing. And plus, the commentary for Black Wrestling Matter was absolute amazing. I loved it. I loved every minute of that commentary. 
Yes, they had some good. Uh, it was good. Like I want to know. Do you know who the guys were on commentary? Like they did a really good job. Like. Oh no, they're they're better than the commentary teams in AEW, NST, let alone the WWE main roster where they're overscripted and micromanaged. Yeah, those guys on the uh, the Black Wrestling Matter did a good job. Man, I absolutely man just love that Black Wrestling Matter commentary team, and they did announce that uh, Black Wrestling Matter Two will happen on Juneteenth of next year that is historic yeah and for the culture too i think that's going to happen probably during wrestlemania weekend like it should have happened during wrestlemania weekend this year but it didn't do to the uh pandemic you have did you have any uh favorite matches in particular oh man 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 my favorite match from the black wrestlers matter event was ach versus jdx the main event of that show Woo. When was the last time you seen two black men main event a wrestling show? Mm, yep. Man, they these guys put on a clinic. The, the chemistry, the story, the psychology, and the emotion of this match was absolutely phenomenal. And my favorite match from the uh, For the Culture event is, um, is uh, AJ Gray versus Desmond Xavier. Ooh. Man, they, they absolutely killed it with that match, man. Especially when uh, AJ Gray the man, hit the dude with, with, with that powerful clothesline. <laughs> and, and you know what? That also reminds me of uh, Trisha Doyle when she um, hit that Larry Tunnel on Sean D for the second time. It was absolutely nasty. I'm like, she almost ripped this man's head off. <laughs> yeah, she, and she's the um, PAWDWC uh, Fight Club Pro Wrestling champ. She's the people's champ. And um, how do you feel about that title? Like, I actually was very blessed, very lucky to actually go to the shows because the shows were in D.C. So I was there when she won. Like, I was at that match. And this is, like, in February before COVID, like, hit us. So that was one of my last uh, indie shows I've been to. But how do you feel about Trisha Dora and her title reign? Uh, I would say she's had a pretty decent title reign, even though it's been hurt by the pandemic, unfortunately. But she's been, you know, doing the best she can and, um, you know, I, I love that, that match she had with, um, uh, I actually like the match she had with, um, uh, the guy that she beat in, uh, uh, Darius Lockhart, who recently appeared on another, on a Black Wrestling, uh, podcast in which he talked about the main goal that he wants to accomplish is winning the, the Pan-African World Diaspora World Championship belt from her. So, man, when they have their, their next match, it's going to be amazing. I cannot wait to see that match yes i hope i hope it uh, i hope that by that time like the pandemic is you know we've back we've gone back to the new normal and everyone's uh, the numbers are going down and we're safe and we can safely return but i would love to see that match uh live again because uh they're based in dc so uh i'm in dc and they're based in dc so i've, I've had an opportunity to go to all their shows yeah and um you know it, it, it's always a very good it's all wrestling's always much better with more fans than the no fans that you see in the Thunderdome. <laughs> I mean, they're adapting to our yeah. new normal, so <laughs> but but I don't like the synthetic crowd noises. The synthetic crowd noises irritate me. Yeah, I think <laughs> they, they turn them up really loud. If they like dial them down a little bit, it won't be so bad. Yeah, so so what do you think about the this year's draft happening in the Thunderdome? Um, with the draft, uh, I feel like there's some shakeups, but I wanted more shakeups because I my issue with WWE is that you don't get to see a lot of new matchups. No, and, and, and oh, you know what? I actually told you this. It's you know Raw, especially Raw, is basically ground all day. It's the same thing over and over and over again. It's like you're seeing 23 different versions of the exact same thing that you had already seen already. Yeah, and I want to see new matchups. And sometimes they hold off on these new matchups until like a certain pay-per-view. And then by that time, you kind of lose interest and you've moved on to another new match, another matchup. So like, that's my issue. And I felt I felt like they should have done more with the draft. Like there should have been some more shakeups and we should be getting, like, I don't want to see... I don't want to see Rollins, Murphy, Rey Mysterio, Dominic anymore. Like, we've man, seen it. Man, that storyline's been so done to death for the past six months. 
And not only that, we you know the, the Randy Drew fan has been done to death, and now we're going to get a match for the WWE Championship between these two men again next Monday night. Yeah. Nobody, nobody cares for that match. So that's my issue with it. Like I, I don't like. I want to see Dominic and Ray fight maybe the Street Profits or, you know, some other tag team on SmackDown. And I want to see Rollins move on to you know maybe Kevin Owens or. Daniel Bryan or someone, you know, I just want to see new stuff, new content, like new matchups. That's my issue with it. Like we see a lot of the same matchups over and, and I mean, I, I guess it's, it works if there's a rivalry like Sasha Banks versus Bailey. Yeah. But if it's not really, I mean, maybe Dominic and Rollins are like rivals now. I mean, who knows? Maybe I'm looking at it from the wrong angle. I don't know. And, uh, and speaking of the Sasha Bailey match, the Sasha Bailey match from uh, Hell in the Cell uh, was absolutely amazing. But, yes. the, but, but the fan that kind of balled it down for me in regards to that match, no fans. The virtual fans in the Thunderdome. <laughs> I mean, do you, so do you think they should have waited? Yeah, I think they should have waited until they had real fans in attendance uh, next year. And they completely rushed that few, man, which I hated, by the way. I mean, in their defense, they might just feel like they don't know when fans are going to be able to come back. I mean, if you look at the news, the numbers are rising here. You know, maybe when we get a new president, uh, which we have a president-elect, uh, Joe Biden, you know, maybe things can, we can start working on the pandemic in this country and get our numbers down and we can uh, return to a new normal. I always say a new normal because I feel like we're going to be wearing masks for a while. We're going to be using hand sanitizer for a while and things are not going to be the way it was exactly. But you know what I mean? Like maybe we get to a point where we can have shows with more people. I, maybe WWE just didn't want to wait. They didn't know how long it would take. You know, that, the way they went about the, the whole Sasha Bayless fan, they're like, you know what? We we let y'all sheep wait for five years. Since y'all are absolutely fickle, we're going to give you this match already so that way we can, you know, forget about this because we're going to promote Becky versus Ronda at WrestleMania. <laughs> um, so uh, I want to talk about black women in the wrestling industry. And... Um, as a black woman, I do not appreciate how black women are treated. And as a black man, do you you notice like how black women are treated, right? You do you notice? Yeah, I, I get very angry and offended when when I see black women get you know mistreated and disrespected, especially um, in the case of uh, the Carter Gill Brandy segment on Dynamite when those two women got disrespected, in particular Brandy. Even though I didn't like her fake hood girl accent that she came out with, um, but anyway, the the segment is the very first ever segment in wrestling history in which two black women opened up a primetime wrestling show with Sam. That had never before been done. Yeah, and we don't really see a lot of black women interacting in wrestling. No, nah, because they they tend to keep black women away from each other in, in wrestling for the most part, which I which. Is, is always something that's been annoying. Yeah, and I mean, like you said, like, we can talk about the, the promo. Like, I feel like there's a lot of layers to it, and it can be a little complex. Like, I didn't like that she used... It seemed like she had, like, a, a black scent, so to speak, or she code-switched when she was uh, interacting with another black woman. You know no, what I mean? I, like, that's where it got really weird to me because, like, I uh, haven't seen her, like, talk like that to... No. You know, the segment was good with Cardigan coming out there, cutting that, you know, nice little promo. It, it was out 100. But when Brandy came out with the fake, you know, hood garage in, it went down to a zero. And, uh, yeah, so... And, and then one thing I found interesting that if you look at the social media comments, particularly on Facebook not Facebook, yeah. I'm sorry, on Twitter, you notice that it's like the, a tale of two Americas. Because yeah. uh, we as black people, you know, we picked up on some things. Yeah. But non-black people may not have. Some people didn't. And I saw a lot of people saying, oh, I love it. This is the best we've seen from Brandy. And, you know, I know Brandy gets a lot of, like, sometimes people kind of pile on Brandy. Sometimes, like she, sometimes it's necessary to, you know. But I feel like also people don't know how to like 
critique and to give feedback to people nowadays. Most of the time, people are very rude about it. But, you know, I feel like people do kind of, like, pile on Brandy. Like, she's kind of, like, seen as this outsider. Yeah, you know, um, man, I I would say ever since, you know, uh, last year, she's been the victim of some of the most nasty, uh, verbally racist attacks from particularly, you know, the the sister and the white dudes in the internet wrestling community on Twitter. And it got so bad to the point where she just, you know, decided to cancel Twitter. Yeah, uh, yeah, like she gets it sometimes. Like I, I uh, seen something, someone being very like derogatory, you know, like some of the tweets, not all of them, but of course, like on Twitter. But that's the thing, like we have to support and protect black women, black women in wrestling because like if we don't, who will? Yeah, exactly. So that's why I'm always, you know, for sticking up and defending black women, even though I may not agree with some of the decisions or the choices or the promos or the matches that they have. But I still, you know, support them regardless. And I feel like also uh, black women, like you see a lot of times, like if I just like I'm, I try not to go through the comment section. I try yeah. not to look at the tweets, but, you know, something inside of me just like i do it anyway but if you look at the comments you'll see oh like this black female wrestler can't wrestle you know like she's no good like you know what i mean like it's a lot of criticism that's unnecessary and i don't even see where it's based at like it's just pure fiction to me you know um you know i remember ben swole had to she basically clapped back against these trolls who said that she can't even wrestle with the like to me, I'm like, where's that coming from? Like, is it because she's a black woman? Like, you know. I, that, that, that's how I feel. You know, to them, the, you know, you have to be a, a blonde that can, if you're a blonde with especially Vince's eyes and, and can wrestle, you're going to get praised by the internet wrestling community. If you're a black female, that especially a talented one, oh, you're going to get critiqued, especially when Bianca Belair had to deal with that during her time in NST. And they said things like, oh, she didn't come from the end. And I said, what What the, what does that have anything to do with her right now in NST? Nothing. Yeah. So that's why I always say, like, I want to use this platform to build up black women in wrestling, you know, because it can be black women are held to on, on a different standard. People are very misogynistic, uh, misogynoir with black women and you know you don't hear people talking about this on the main screen like podcasts or people writing about it uh, and, and, the, and, and the reason why we talk about these type of racial issues that we talk about is because they don't want to alienate their uh, predominant cisgender white male audience yeah I can see that yeah and you know and that's it's not good you know like it's not a good thing and that's why I'm happy that we have more um, black women, you know, with podcasts, more black women writing. Uh, you know, it's just good to see. It's, it's good yeah. to see. It makes me happy. Like, I like seeing the more black women uh, talking about wrestling and, you yeah. know, in the wrestling industry. Because for far too long, women, especially black women, have been shamed, ridiculed, and, uh, you know, frowned upon for uh, loving, let alone talking about wrestling. And nowadays, with the power of social media and stuff like that, it's changing and for the better. And I like that. So just to kind of transition to a, a one black woman who was just signed by AEW, and we mentioned Jay Cargill. Um, what are your thoughts on Jay being all elite? Oh, man. Hey, you know, I'm all for it as long as it, as it helps improve the women's division there. Because they, go, they, they definitely need more and more, uh, you know, talented women. I, and I feel like they haven't been doing the best job in trying to, you know, give, give these women more TV time, let alone, you know, from the matches to the promos to developing their character. They got to give these women more time. They can't just say, oh, well, you know, we're going to have a quote-unquote stack car full of men and, oh, forget these women. We'll just push them on dark. No, they got to be on uh, Dynamite displaying their character, you know, more time with the matches and promos and segments and stuff like that. Yes. And, you know, um, I don't know if you recall the uh, comments by Dr. Britt Baker, and she was saying, like, you have to support, you can't change the channel. And, you know, I kind of think AEW has this mindset that, 
you know, we want you to support our women's division no matter what, and then we'll give you more. And as a fan, I want you to give me more. I mean, I support, like me personally, I support because I, I want to support them, you know, as much as possible. But as a fan, I'm like, no, like we want you to give us more so we can continue to support. You know, uh, despite their, you know, divas, their life views, and this is very reminiscent of the current WWE product outside of NXT, by the way. You know, it's kind of like Vince is like, you know what? Since y'all fickle pieces of sheep are uh, addicted to this garbage that I give you every week on Raw, we're going to just keep feeding you the garbage until you can't get enough because it's such good shit. <laughs> so, uh, you, you think that's what AEW's doing with their women's division? They're just... Yeah, along yeah. Let, let's just let's just you know give you sheep, you know five, you know three, five, eight minute matches because it's such good shit. So yeah, I mean, I you know, and AEW has the talent with the women, and they have uh, Big Swole, they have Nyla Rose, they have Hakara uh, Shida, they have um, they have so many talented women, and I think they just need to give these women time, yeah. let them cut promos like. You know, one thing I like about AEW is that they do their promos sometimes differently. Like, they have vignettes. Let yeah. these women, like, do a vignette and show it on Dynamite. Yeah, yeah that's the one thing that uh, differs from AEW WWE. One of the biggest differences. Because on the main roster, uh, in particular, if you know the promos are heavily scripted word by word and micromanaged. By people, by, by most of the cisgender white men who are from Hollywood who know nothing about wrestling. And they cut, and these and these wrestlers on the main roster go out there and cut these cheesy, boring, awful promos. So I want to also uh, talk about AEW in general and black wrestlers in AEW. And this has been a, a common um, discussion about AEW needs more uh, black representation in their company in the singles division especially with the men um what are your thoughts on that yeah i remember aj gray you know kind of you know offer constructive criticism say hey man how come y'all ain't got too many black men in the singles division and then uh you know i remember he got a lot you know he got a lot flat for it for the wrong reason because he was just speaking truth to power and he's not afraid to say what needs to be said you know too many you know uh, black, you know, some black wrestlers are afraid to uh, say what needs to be said for fear of being blackballed or gaslighted from the business. Mm, so, yeah. so I actually agree with AJ Gray. You know, there's got to be more black men in the singles division too. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely in, in the singles division. I think right now it looks like, uh, but this is tag team though. But it looks like Top Flight is coming in. Um, they have you know, a couple matches on Dark, and then they have a match against the Young Bucks. Yeah, they got that big match against the Young Bucks. It's funny because I have a history with the name Top Flight. Let me tell you a story about Top Flight. For many years, I used to live in a neighborhood where right around the street, about, I'll say five minutes, there used to be a nightclub called Top Flight. <laughs> yep, that's a true story, by the way. And I remember um, sometimes my older brothers would hang out outside the nightclub, and I would even sometimes go out Round there and hang out outside the nightclub. Yeah, and uh, with uh, Top Flight, the tag team, we we saw them on uh, Black Wrestlers Matter and um, for the culture, they were there. So it's really cool to see them. Um, yeah, so, you know, so, mainstream. This, yeah, this would definitely, um, you know, bring you know raise their profile and bring more exposure to them. Because when I think about the name Top Flight, the wrestlers, uh oh, I think about the flippy stuff. Yeah, let's talk about that because I know you kind of like don't like a lot of um, flipping and wrestling. Yeah, one one of my problems with modern day wrestling, I feel like there's too much of an overemphasis on the um, acrobatic gymnastics and not enough, you know, storytelling and you know psychology and chemistry. Because back in the day when we used to watch wrestling growing up, there was more uh, technical, you know, based story, psychology, and chemistry. But now in a lot of these matches, especially, you know, on AEW and the Indies and, and even NST in the main roster, there are too many, you know, wrestlers who do too much of that, that flippy stuff. And it's kind of irritating to me because I love, you know, these uh, 
slow-paced, you know, psychology-based driven matches. Like Roman and Jey Uso at Clash of the Champions. Mm, yeah, that's actually been a really good storyline. Actually, kind of, I'm happy, but I'm also kind of upset because I feel like WWE can, if WWE can give us such a good storyline with uh, Roman and Jay, why can't they do that for other wrestlers? Why can't we get that with, you know, the whole card, get that kind of experience of this really nice emotional storyline? Yeah, it's, and I have a feeling this will lead to the uh, Roman versus Rock match next year at WrestleMania 37. Is that your prediction? I, I have a feeling it's going to lead to that because th- this will be the battle of the real tribal chief. Mm, everybody who's listening, you heard it like first here. That's his prediction. Rock versus Roman, WrestleMania. And I think they're supposed to be in Hollywood, right? Next year? Yeah, yeah in Hollywood, but uh, I heard that Hollywood uh, isn't, you know, that WrestleMania 37 in Hollywood could be in jeopardy. If they can't have it there, they'll move it, well, to Tampa. Mm, interesting. So um, to kind of wrap up this conversation, which has been really good, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Um, I want to talk about you as a person. Like, what are some of the hobbies that you, you know, you enjoy? And if there's anything you want to promote or talk about or educate people about, that'll be cool. And then I'm gonna like come back to you with your uh, top five favorite matches of 2020. And I'm telling you this now so you can have time to like prepare and think. But first, let's talk about you. Like, any hobbies? You have any hobbies that you um, have been perfecting or you've had for years? Well, you know, um, you know, one, I, I, I love watching anime. My Hero Academia is my favorite right now. And um, I'm looking forward to season five when it comes out next year. And secondly, you know, I've been a, a long-time gamer, by the way, a video gamer. And um, I've been playing up on the Nintendo Switch quite a bit. And recently, I, uh, you know, played my favorite um uh, video game of the year Streets of Rage 4 which I beat that by the way and and now I'm playing um, you know uh, Hyrule Warriors Age of uh, Calamity the demo I, I, I'm playing the demo and man that game is so fun yeah like that's actually one thing that I have gotten back into kind of um, the last couple months is uh, video games like I started playing my um, Nintendo uh, 3DS like the extra large one that I got last year for Christmas that I you know how you get something for Christmas and you play for a little bit and then you like don't play with it again. Yeah, yeah I'm back to playing with my Nintendo. You want to know, uh, know what? I'm gonna tell you a true story. I remember, uh, you know, when I was a kid, I you know, you know, asked my grandmother, could you buy me a Sega Genesis for my birthday? And uh, when my on my tenth birthday, by the way, which is my favorite birthday, I got what I wanted. I got a Sega Genesis with six pack cartridge. And I absolutely was so happy and just ecstatic that day that I got a Sega Genesis with a six-pack cartridge for my birthday. That's all I wanted. And then my favorite, um, you know, Christmas was like three years late, you know, three years after that, where I got Nintendo 64 for Christmas. And I remember the first games that I remember playing were like Doom 64 and GoldenEye 007. I love those games. By the way, especially GoldenEye 007, because my favorite weapon in the game was the chopper. <laughs> and I think you know about the term chopper. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I do. I used to love chopping up bodies with that weapon in GoldenEye. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I've gotten back into gaming, and you said anime. I, I'm a blurred myself. If I'm not, like, watching wrestling, I'm doing blurry things, and... um. Yeah. I'm going to like I love going to the Comic Cons and Blurred Cons. Oh my god! And... Oh my goodness! I love going to these comic conventions. I was supposed to go to one uh, in March of this year, but unfortunately, the organizers had to cancel in the last minute due to um, the pandemic. And Have you to ever? Me, that, and to me, that was and to me that was devastating. Have you ever been to Blurred Con? Oh no, I've never been to Blurred Con, but I've heard about it, which is a really uh, nice comic-con of blurs like you and i yeah it's like uh i think it's like three so i so um it's in my area it's in uh arlington virginia and i when it's in the area i don't really um stay overnight or anything i just go home to save money so um i believe it's three days i usually go like on saturday but you know when this pandemic is over i want to like 
go to comic cons i want to spend like all weekend there you know something fresh for the you know new normal or whatever um but yeah definitely you should check out blurred con um where are you located by the way uh you know i'm located uh in uh alabama oh you're in alabama cool like yeah so it's in the uh it's in virginia blurred con so and it's usually um in the summer like around august july but i definitely recommend it for you and i actually recommend it for uh everyone that's listening if you're a blurred or if you know if you are just a nerd you don't have to be a blurred definitely check out blurred con like it is cool it's a cool experience yeah and um another thing was that um you know prior to you know this uh conversation that we're having about a few weeks ago um you know hurricane zeta passed a mighty punch here in alabama mm. you know the neighborhood that i lived in the, there was this massive blackout in the neighborhood I lived in. This blackout lasted for 30 hours. Oh, wow. Are you guys, you guys have lights? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, lights on now, but I'm like, a few weeks ago, this lasted for like 30 hours, the longest blackout period I have ever experienced in my life. And this adds on to 2020 being the fifth worst year of my life because it's basically the pandemic year, the year that nothing really happened that much. Yeah, actually, every time I like, I, so uh, one of my friends actually checked in, one of my college friends checked in on me, and um, she was like, you know, I said, I don't really remember anything from the last thing I remember, and this is actually wrestling related. Um, the last thing I remember is attending uh, Raw in Washington, D.C. on March 9th, the live show. Um, it was actually my cousin's birthday, and that's what she wanted to do. She wanted to like hang out, and then one of the things we we're gonna do is go to Raw. And that's the last thing I really remember. Raw, yeah, it, it, it's been a year, and uh, speak. So you know, it's been a year, and that's why I'm gonna ask you. You know, what are your top five matches of 2020? Uh, number five for me. What well, you know, after number five, two of those top five I already talked about earlier. Um, number five was. Um, uh, AJ Gray versus Desmond Xavier at Fulton Culture, which I talked about earlier. Number four was ACH versus JDS at Black Wrestlers Matter, which I talked about earlier. Number three was Bailey versus Sasha at Hell in a Cell. Man, the chemistry, the psychology, the storytelling, man, was phenomenal. But as good as that match was, I still like their TakeOver Brooklyn match from 2015 better because it was in front of real fans and the crowd was electric. Yes. My number two match was the, uh, the parking lot brawl that, that we saw back in September, you know, between, you know, the best friends and, uh, you know, Pride and Powerful. Man, I love that match, despite the fact that the outcome kind of pissed me off, but I love that match. You know, it, it was basically just good old tag team wrestling. No, no flips or flops, just straight up tag team wrestling. I loved it. But my number one favorite match of the year was uh, Okada versus Kota Ibushi at Wrestle Kingdom 14. This was, in front, this was in front of real fans. This match was absolutely spectacular. This was like pure wrestling right here. Pure technical-based psychology, storytelling, chemistry-driven wrestling at its finest. And man, I just absolutely could not get enough of that match. That was my favorite match of the entire Wrestle Kingdom event this year. So before I go, and I've really enjoyed talking with you, hopefully, you know, you can come back in the future. Uh, maybe if we do a roundtable, I'll definitely have you on the panel because, you know, you are a phenomenal writer and, you know, you bring a good viewpoint to modern day wrestling. And I appreciate that and I love it. But before we go, what are your predictions for and your wrestling predictions for the remainder of 2020? Man, my resident predictions, I, I don't really have much resident predictions because this year is kind of, most of this year is like a blur for me as well. So I'm looking forward to 2021 and get out this god-awful year. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, everybody. Give a warm round of applause for Kwame Shakir. Thank you, everybody. <laughs>
and I hope it was fun for the listeners as well because it was really fun for me as a host and I really enjoyed my time and actually I hope to have Kwame back on um, in the near future and we can just talk about wrestling and if you enjoyed this episode please be sure to to subscribe to our youtube channel join our discord follow us on twitter and instagram and like the ddt divas facebook page never miss a tweet post article or podcast episode and to those who haven't missed anything thus far thank you thank you for your support and thank you for listening until the next episode be safe be well continue to enjoy wrestling We hope you have enjoyed the show.